Psalm 139. We're going to look at several verses tonight. Psalm 139. Hope you guys have been enjoying the series. I sure have. Uh, this has been something that I've been thinking about for a long time, as you guys know, and something that I hope is really applicable to your life each week. Starting in verse number one, the, the Bible says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Uh, many of your Bibles might have right above that verse who this psalm was written by. Can someone tell me who the psalm was written by? It's the psalm of David, right? We noticed that two weeks ago as we studied. Uh, we studied depression through the life of David and how to get over it and how David put his hope in God. And here David is again. He's saying, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest mine down sittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thought from afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue. Man, this is scary for some of us. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast, be, thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be the light about me, yea, darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. We're going to go even further in this passage, but I'll stop there just for sake of time. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? This is one of the biggest questions we ask ourselves in life. What is my purpose? purpose. Why do I exist? Why am I here? No doubt in the back of each one of your minds, you at some point have thought those thoughts. You've thought, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I exist? And let me tell you this, if you ever wish to have fulfillment in your life, you must find out your life's purpose. You have to know what you were designed for. You have to know what God wants for your life in order for you to have meaning. You must answer these questions. What is my purpose? Why do I exist? Why am I here? And know this, if we do not accomplish what we were designed to do, we are failures. God has created a lot of things, right? It, it amazes me in the book of Genesis, and I've heard one preacher talk about this, and it, it kind of brought in perspective how big God is that in Genesis... It states in just one statement, and he made the stars also. Wow, right? Our God has created a lot of things. One thing that God has created are birds. God has created birds. God created birds to live on land, to fly, and to, to just live and to fly and to be birds, right? If I took a bird and I put it underwater, Unless it's like a penguin, which I don't know if they're considered birds. Did do my research on penguins before I came in here. Okay, so this is kind of right. If I took a bird and I put it underwater, it would not succeed for very long, if you know what I mean. All right? If I took a bird and I just put it underwater, it would, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you some of this. I don't know if many of you know this. It would probably die. Right? It probably die. I'm sorry to bring that up. I know you're really upset. But I, trust me, I would never, ever kill a bird, even though, okay, side story. Side story, side story, I'll get right back to this. 
I got a BB gun for one Christmas. The state bird, as it is in Indiana, is in North Carolina. It's the cardinal as well. And I see this red bird out in the yard. One of the first days I had my BB gun. And it was a, just, I can't believe that this happened. It was one of those uh, daisy something, I, I forget what it is, but it was just a pump action. It wasn't like you pumped it up 50 times before you shot it, and then you shot through your brother's leg. It wasn't one of those. This was just one of those that just, you could even see it as you shot, just kind of curved down. It was one of those. So I, I get it up to the bird, and then, and that bird, just red feathers, just poof, and then it just... Never seen something fall and just slap the ground like that. Anyways, birds were not designed for bullets, right? Birds were not designed for BBs. Uh, they were designed to fly, and God created fish. If I had a fish right now, let's say I had a goldfish, and I were to, to grab that goldfish out of the water and just sit him in a table in front of all you, he would not succeed for very long, right? God designed him to be in water. He would not succeed very long. I own, and I'm not very proud of this, and I wish I could talk myself out of this, but I own a Honda Civic Hybrid. It's a girl car. It's a, it's a very slow, like if you hear my car, if you get in my car and you were driving it down the road, by the way, Pastor Monty stole my car today. I had it parked out front and I was going to work from home because I had some concrete work being done. And Pastor Monty just got in my car and he parked it somewhere else. And uh, I went into the office and he and Benny were there. So I'm like, okay. Benny is involved. My car is not. For those of you that know Preacher and Benny, Benny was like, hey, Preacher, steal Pastor Scotty's car. So they went and parked it somewhere else. So anyways, I had five minutes of, all right, is my car stolen? And it, just in the back of my mind, just so you know a little bit about my Honda Civic, I was a little bit excited that it got stolen because <laughs> there's an insurance claim waiting there. You know, I could just get all my money back for it. Uh, but I drive a Honda Civic. Now, if I took my Honda Civic and I were to put it in the NASCAR or the Indy 500. Let's say I put it in the Indy 500. Now, when you push all the way down on the gas on my Honda Civic, it doesn't do anything but make a lot of noise. It's like, <laughs> eh, and you're like going 20 miles an hour, and then you're going for two more minutes, and you're up at 35 miles an hour. Like, it's not very fast, and it's got the battery assist and all these weird things, but it gets like 40 miles to the gallon. I can't talk myself out of getting rid of it because it's just so economical, and I drive a lot. But my Honda Civic would not do well in the 8500. If I took my Honda Civic, and I just say, let's say I take it back to North Carolina uh, for a Christmas break, and my friend Daniel... Uh, my friend Daniel loves to go mudding. Uh, he has a Chevy 1500, and he would come to school all the time, just as redneck as could be. You know how in the South, you might not even have seen this around here, but he put his boots in the back of his truck bed by the window. The Southerners know what I'm talking about, so it looks like there's a person sticking down the truck, but it's just his boots hanging there. And he's out there mudding, and I'm like, Hey, Daniel, I brought my Honda Civic! You know how far I would go? I'd go like this far just the momentum to go in there, which isn't much because it's a slow car. My Honda Civic was not designed for several things. First of all, for speed. Second of all, for mudding. And I'm sure you could come up with a lot more things it's not designed to be. Now, it would not succeed in either one of those things. But the point I'm trying to get out, of, out to you here is that if something is not used for its purpose design, it will not succeed. So birds were made to fly. Fish were made to swim. Honda Civics were made to be lame cars. And God has created you to fill in the blank. There is not one answer for each one of you. God has a specific plan and a purpose, a design for your life. And let me tell you this. If you choose to do it your own way and you don't work by His plan, 
You don't work by His blueprint. We have a church being built right now. And our deacons and our pastors would be very upset if our foreman just started to build a different building. He started to build like a building that's 1,500 seats. We can't afford that, right? We would be upset if he wasn't following the blueprints. The plans that are there, if you don't follow God's plan book from your life, you will not succeed. You will fail. And you may look at your life at the end of your life and think, okay, I succeeded, but I failed. I love this statement. Failure is often succeeding at the wrong things. That's pretty profound. Failure is often succeeding at the wrong things. We are successful when we do what God has created us to do. God has created you for fill in the blank. Whatever it applies to you. Now, there's some general things that God has created us for. Yes, some of you said worship for sure. And God has created us for His glory. We'll also discuss one other thing that God created us for later that applies to all of you. But all of you do not have the same purpose. All of you do not have the same design. And if you don't know your purpose, uh, you will spend your life trying to put... Okay, I, I brought a little illustration. I wanted the beginning of this to be very illustrative, okay? You will spend the rest of your life like some stupid kids. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I, I some stupid babies, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm about to have one. I could say that because my wife's pregnant, right? Uh, this I got from the nursery. I was going to just go buy one, but I thought, hey, the nursery's got some of these, and it's missing some parts. And uh, this, for those of you that might be listening on podcasts in the future, it's like one of those square things that have different shapes, and inside of it are different shapes to place it into. You have probably walked by a nursery, or you have had a brother that was at the age, you know, where they're really not bright up there. And you've probably watched him or she or a baby of some kind or just a, a not a bright person try to do this. Right? <laughs> trying to put a square into a triangle or trying to put a square into that or I didn't know star was technically, well, I guess it is a shape, whatever. That was a dumb statement of mine. But have you ever seen trying to put a square into a star shape? Oh, this is not going to work, right? Okay, look at me right now. A lot of you in your life, if you don't know your purpose, this is going to be you. Your entire life. You're going to be like, I'm really trying. Hey, how's work going? Hey, man, I'm trying. I'm working up the field. And we could say that's pretty stupid of that baby to keep trying to do that. But some of you are following things that you know or future paths for your life. In the back of your mind, you know it's not the right fit. It's not exactly God's plan for your life. For a lot of you are living against God right now. And you keep trying to live against Him. And you think you're going to succeed, but it's not going to work. Because you're not following the design. I'll put my toy away for now, and I'll return that to the nursery. Prayerfully, I'll remember. <laughs> uh, it's just not going to work, and failure is often succeeding at the wrong things. Our search for answers when it comes to our purpose must begin biblically. If we look back at Psalm 139, these are the answers about our purpose when it comes to God's role in our purpose. God's general role in our life. And David explains many things about how God relates to us and how God operates on our behalf. And may I say this, you will never understand God's purpose for your life until you have a personal relationship with God that is thriving. 
You will never be living in tune with God. Have you ever been in the car trying to find a radio station and maybe there was a dial there? Maybe it's an older car and this is kind of, man, I feel stupid now because you just have the seek button and you don't have to go through what I had to go through as a kid. Uh, but there used to be like a thing called a dial on the radio. You've probably heard it referred to in songs. Uh, but there's a dial on the radio and you had to, most of it, uh, if you just turned it randomly, it would just be fuzzy. It just... <laughs> It would just be mostly that. I know that's enjoyable, those people listening on podcasts. Let me do that one more time directly into the mic. You know, it would just be like that. And there would be ever so slightly a moment where you tune in right to the right channels. Man, there's so much clarity. The fuzziness is gone. Uh, Or maybe you used to have a TV with an antenna and you hit the side of the TV. And man, the picture is so clear. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Psalm 139 shows us how God, we're able to tune in to God. How does God relate on our behalf and how are we able to tune in on the dial of our Christian walk? How does God relate to us in our purpose? Now, let me tell you this. There is no one answer to your purpose. Your purpose is a journey you must live with God. That's your purpose. And it's only going to be fulfilled. And I'll say this at the start because we're going to talk about something different the rest of this time. Your purpose must be provided by God himself. And how is that done? Through a relationship with God. You might say, I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. I know where I'm going when I die. Great. But how's your relationship with God? Do you feel far away from Him? Do you feel like He's going to show you His purpose? Or do you feel so far away from God that you can't even think of the last time you got on your knees and said, God, what direction do you want me to go? God, uh, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to approach college? How do you want me to approach all of these different areas of my life? If you can't think about that, don't you ever expect for God to just display His purpose in front of you? God's purpose is shown to you through God's will, which is a step-by-step, day-by-day reality that you live out by reading God's Word and in prayer. But how does God relate to us in that? First of all, looking at Psalm 139, God knows you. God knows you. By the way, God knows the real you. Look at verse number one again. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. When I search something, sometimes it's not the best, right? I have lost the Apple TV remote more times. I am embarrassed by how many times I have lost the Apple TV remote, and I'm terrible at searching for it, mostly because I'm lazy on the couch like you guys are. If you lose something on the couch... Sometimes you just watch whatever's playing because you're too lazy to get up. You're like, I guess I'm watching this... uh, uh, commercial, this uh, TV commercial about uh, Flex Seal for the next 30 minutes or something, which that's a cool example, but maybe it's a bad example. All right, so, oh Lord, thou hast searched me. By the way, when God searches us, it's not like we search for things. When God searches for us, he sees every aspect. God knows all about you. Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Not only does he search you, he knows the real you. Thou hast known my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. By the way, that means that God knows what you're thinking before you think it. God knows what you're going to do before you do it. And by the way, he still loves us. Isn't that an amazing fact about that? God knows what you do. God doesn't only know the real you. He knows exactly what you do at all times. Verse number three, in the day when I cried thee, uh, cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me in thy strength and my soul. God knows exactly what you do. God knows your thoughts and contemplations in life. Look at verse number four. All the kings of the earth shall... I'm in the wrong passage. 139.3. Let's read that again. Thou compass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Uh, that goes back to God knows what you do. Wow, I really tried to make 
Verse number three of 138. Uh, verse number four of 139. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. God knows your deepest thought, your deepest contemplations. God knows exactly who you are. He knows all about you. You cannot hide from God. I've heard that said so many times, but I don't think we quite understand what that means when you say you can't hide from God. I think we often in our lives think that we really can hide from God. I think we think we can hide from Him by saying, you know what, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I might be saved, but I'm going to live, and I'm going to use a term I've not used before, but I hope you guys understand this. I'm going to live practically as, as a practical atheist. Okay? I have the banner of Christianity over my life, but I'm going to be a practical atheist, meaning that I don't follow God. I don't read God's Word. I don't pray. Occasionally I come to church, but that's just to hang out with my friends. Uh, I just hide from God. By the way, God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly what you do. He knows exactly what you say, and He knows the real you. You cannot hide from God. David says later in this passage, whether I make my bed in heaven or I make it in hell, God, you're there. And that's just another statement saying, hey, God created hell. Uh, and I'll speak to this in a moment, but God created hell. God did not create it and just separate himself from it. God is there because it is a perfect source of punishment for the devil and his demons, and it was never made for us, but because of sin, because of mankind's sin, if we reject Jesus Christ, we will be in hell. We will be in hell, and God is not suffering there, but God is Lord of all. Satan is not in charge of heaven. This is an important note. Satan is not in charge of heaven. He's not walking around with his pitchfork and his horns, and he's just walking around hell saying, uh, this person needs to party up more. This person. No, hell is a, is a place of suffering, a place of gnashing of teeth, a place that burns with fire. And unless you know where you're going when you die, unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there you will be, and there God will be, because he is the, he is the, the maker of even hell, but it wasn't made for you. So David even says, hey, if I'm in heaven or I'm in hell, God, you're there. And uh, God, you're there. Not that you can have fellowship with God in hell, but God will be there. By the way, God not only knows you intimately, He knows everything about you, but God is always with you. Point number two, God is always with you. As I said a couple weeks ago, you may be far away from God right now. I'd ask that your attention be right up here, please. Okay, What your friend has to say to you right now is a little bit less important than the Word of God has to say to you right now. Because God is always with you, and God even sees what you're saying right now. God is always with you. Verse number 5, Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. God is always with you. This is restated in Jeremiah 23, 24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. So God is always with us. God has not forsaken us. And again, let me ask you the question. If you feel far away from God, who moved? Did you move or did God move? Let me just tell you right now, it's you that moved if you feel far away from God. You say, well, that's not fair. Uh, what has God done to make me feel closer to Him? Um, how about everything? Um, how about giving His own Son to die on a cross for you? How about providing um, the deepest and the best love letter that was ever written specifically to you so that you could read it and learn more about Him? God has done everything to be close to you. Do everything in your possibility to be close 
to Him. That's where you find purpose. Thirdly, God has a wonderful purpose for you. Oh, God's thoughts for you, and we'll talk about this in our last point, but God's got great thoughts for you. God loves you beyond belief. God loves you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or believe, and God is for you. God wants you to succeed in this life of purpose. God is not against you. God is not some God in heaven that looks down and say, oh, uh, they're not doing a good, good enough job for me. Uh, I'm disappointed in them. No, no, no. God loves you. God is for you. He's rooting for you. And there's a band of angels in heaven that are protecting you and that want to see you succeed. And God is on your behalf. Uh, look at verses 13 through 15. It says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. By the way, this is the biggest argument that we have against abortion. Okay, I don't care if you and your family are Republican or Democrat, but if you support a politician that's for abortion, you do not believe the Bible. You are not for the Bible. Because right there, David says, From my mother's womb, God knew me, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It says in other parts in the scripture that God knew you and that he knew you by your name when you were in the womb. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. God knows all about you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. And I could park there for a little bit longer, but we don't have time. But God has a wonderful, wonderful purpose for you. You are not an accident. This world would like you, by the way, look right up here. The world and many of your schools would like you to believe that you were an accident. That you were just the summation of some chemicals at the beginning of what they call the Big Bang and that you crawled out of some pond scum somewhere and eventually uh, there were legs on some ape and all this, all this crazy stuff. By the way, it takes so much more faith in my mind to be an atheist than it does to believe in an all-powerful God because you have to believe that all these things come together. I, I like the illustration that one man gave. He said, believing in evolution is like taking a watch and taking all of its components apart and taking all of the hands off the watch and all of the different little gears and columns inside of it and putting it in a bag and shaking it around for millions of years. And at the end of those millions of years, you get a watch. And not only is it, is it perfectly put together and perfectly a watch, but it shows the correct time. You guys understand what I'm saying? Because in order for evolution, in order for the evolution that your public school might be teaching you to be true, that's basically what had to happen. My stepfather, Will, used to be an atheist until he saw the miracle of childbirth. Let me tell you this. Your life is not an accident. You were fearfully and wonderfully made and God's got a plan for you and God has a wonderful purpose for your life. And by the way, you were made for more than just wasting your life on this world. Live for the Father who created you and loves you more than you could ever realize and stay in that truth. Stay living in the Word of God and live out the purpose that God has for your life. You are not an accident. You, God has a wonderful purpose for you and for your life. And lastly, God is constantly, constantly thinking of you and rooting for you. You say, man, that sounds like a Joel Osteen sermon. Well, I hope not. Right? I loved it. Um, many of you know that Kanye has come out with a confession for Christ, that he believes in Christ now. And I think that's wonderful. I think, praise the Lord, that someone believes in Christ and is going to share his name now. I think that's awesome. As long as they share the true gospel, I, I praise the Lord. And Paul even said that, that if he disagrees with people, but people are getting saved, he would say, praise the Lord. 
I think that's awesome. But I saw this hilarious. Do any of you follow the Babylon Bee on anything? They're this really funny. They're a satire news publication. Um, so the title of this read and it had Kanye and Joel Osteen because Kanye was supposed to have like this opera at Joel Osteen's church, and then it said Joel Osteen wondering who this Jesus that Kanye is talking about is. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, That's fake. That's satire. But I think that was kind of funny. Uh, But anyway, I don't know how I got on that. But God is constantly thinking of you, and God is constantly rooting for you. Look at verses 17 through 18. This blew me away when I read this, and I've not really thought about this passage in this way. How precious also are the thoughts, or thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The summation of it, that is how, how great they are in number in verse number 18. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Let me read that one more time. If David were to count the thoughts that God had on his behalf that were good, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Let me tell you this, you don't have friends like that. You don't have friends that think about you positive like that. You don't have friends that root for you like that. And you say, Pastor Scotty, you don't know my friends. Uh, Let me tell you this, your friends will eventually fail you. And even if they don't, you'll have fights with your friends. You'll have arguments with your friends. Your friend's going to put you down. Your friend's going to say bad stuff about you. But let me say this about your Savior. Your Savior has thoughts of you that are more numerous than the sands on this earth. Think about the Sahara Desert. Think about the the islands of the Pacific and the oceans at the Atlantic, the the shores of the grains of sand. And if I were just to hold sand in my hand, who knows how many hundreds of thousand grains of sand there are. David says, Lord, your thoughts of me are more of a, uh, it's more in summation than the sands of the earth. God has amazing thoughts for your life. And you say, well, if I were to ask you right now, what's the purpose for your life? And, and you were to say, well, I don't really know. I've not thought, let me, let me get this. I've not thought much about it. But let me tell you this, God's thought about it. God's thought about the purpose he has for your life. Thought about it a lot. Thought about you succeeding in your purpose a lot. And let me tell you this, you can live in that purpose if you live in the will of God. What is the purpose for your life? You were designed for blank. I can't tell you your purpose. No one can tell you. By the way, even your parents can't tell you your purpose. Your parents are going to do the best they can. Your parents are going to say, and they're going to look at the gifts that you were given at birth by God, and they're going to say, hey, maybe you would fit well, maybe you would fit well into these areas. But the only person who's going to find this purpose from God is going to be you. The only person that's really going to learn, all right, my son when he's born, I can teach him all day that this doesn't go here probably. But if he's anything like me, he's going to have to learn himself to turn this thing around and put it in the right hole, right? He's going to have to, he is going to have to learn himself just like you have to learn for yourself. Your parent can't live in the will of God for your life. Your parent can't tell you your purpose. Your youth pastor cannot tell you your purpose. Pastor Monty cannot tell you your purpose. Only God does that. God is not hiding His purpose from you in some mysterious way. He presents it before us in His will. My question for you is, are you hiding from God's purpose from your life? Do you ultimately want to do His will in the end? We should. If we live God's purpose for our life, 
we will find what I called the first week we talked about this, the waterfall on top of the Mount Purpose, right? We will have a life of not only purpose, but we will have a life of fulfillment and meaning if we follow God's purpose for our life because it's only God's purpose that brings ultimate fulfillment.